Kim Carson. And I'm Peter Klein. And this is We Had No Idea. We come to you from Mokinsis, and we acknowledge that we get the privilege of living and producing this show on the traditional territories of the Blackfoot Confederacy, the Tsitsina Nations, the Iahe Nakoda Nations, the Métis Nation Region 3, and all people who make their homes in the Treaty 7 region of Southern Alberta. You can find out what native lands you're on by looking at native-land.ca. Our sources for the show today, history.com, Mental Floss, History Extra, which I definitely almost read as history extra. <laughs> history, uh, yeah! Nationalgeographic.co.uk and Britannica.com. Oui. Episode 31 today. Yes, 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 yes. So episode 31, and we would like to both share one thing that we have found in researching this uh, show because, well, I mean, originally... We had wanted to do like one thing we learned before 30 episodes. Like there's one mm. whole thing right now that's like, what's one thing that you learned before you turn 30? Right. Uh, so we were going to do that. And then just <sighs> we obviously didn't learn to write stuff down. Yes. That's what I will say. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but we do want to share because, you know, going through this podcast and we're, we're 31 episodes in as of the end of this episode. And uh, I thought that it might be valuable to share one thing we've learned while doing the research for this show. So, Peter, would you like to go first? Oh, why not? Um, I can if you want. <laughs> no, it's okay. The the one obviously the one that stands out to me is um, how long it took to build the base for um, the Statue of Liberty. <laughs> <laughs> Too fucking long. Yeah. Um, but the the real thing that I've taken away and the real, I guess, lesson here, um, because I mean, researching for this show, the real research is the friends you make along the way. Mm. Um, and those friends apparently are awful people because the, the one thing I've found through researching this show is how many problems have been started by people just sticking their nose where it doesn't belong. Okay. That, that, that has been, like, instead of one factoid or, or something, because there, there's been a bunch of them, you mm, know, mm-hmm. um, like... Our whole show Entire episodes of, of things that I just had no idea about. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, uh, I think the main one is a, a lesson instead of just a, a factoid. Hmm. Very Eat nice. Uh, okay, uh, I'll do my best. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, my one thing that I have learned is that, uh, you know, we start the show off, uh, with listing our sources and I think we generally have about five, five plus Mm -hmm. sources. I honestly think if people are trying to form, uh, an opinion on something or learn about something, five is definitely a sweet spot, if not the lower end of, of sources you need to look at. A lot of times when we're researching our shows, I'll go through uh, some of the stuff you've looked up and I'm like, wait a minute, like this doesn't make sense. Like what happened here? And I'll go look somewhere else for answers. And, you know, I I can see we have a a shared document for our our research Mm -hmm. and I can see, okay, so Peter's gone to this place, this place, this place. So then, you know, I'll Google some keywords about whatever and I'll find some other sources and some other opinions. Right. And it just, it it creates such a more well-rounded story of what happened. And the saying of history is written by the victors really comes to mind in this. I think about, you know, when we've done uh, some more European based stuff, we get, uh, English sources or UK sources <laughs> and it's like and then the British nobly did XYZ and it's like well actually yeah 
I don't know if it was so noble as in like they caused the problem and then like decided to help fix it, you know? Right. Yeah, exactly. So just to get a well-formed opinion on something, I I think that it, it, it's so simple that it's like, yeah, we'll just like get different sources and get contradicting opinions and then form your own based out of that. But actually putting it into practice for this show uh, is something that I've learned along the way that, you know, if we only had one source for this show, it would be, I think that we would have a lot of fucking hate mail by now. Right, yes. Yeah, we'd, we'd also be like kicked off for plagiarizing. Um, but that yeah. too. Uh, but yeah, and that is, it's one of the things I think about actually quite a bit. Like when we go through, and yeah, like I try to find from a, a couple of different places. Totally. Um, my role in the, the, the researching is just kind of getting a base and then Kim fills in with the, the color and stuff after. Yeah. Um, but one of the things I've noticed is that like, we, we talk about, oh, well, like, do your own research when it comes to different things. And it's like, it's fucking hard to. Totally. And, and it's not, and this is just on things that happened in the 17th century for a podcast that we like to do in our spare bedroom. Stuff that is literally history. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like, things that have already happened. And yeah. so when you get into things like, oh, well, where where did you look this thing up for mm-hmm. this scientific thing that we're all learning about right now? It's like, you can see, I mean, some of the ones, like, just give your head a shake. But um, you, you can see where people... <laughs> kind of get led astray where it's just like people don't have time to do their own peer review of scientific papers and stuff like that so if someone tells you hey this thing's bullshit it's like oh well I guess this thing's bullshit and if they yeah. say hey this is the right way to go it's well okay I guess this is the right way to go because I don't have time because I got like 17 things going on in my life right yeah. now to I don't have time to figure this whole thing out and not necessarily even time like like definitely time but I also think like you know you read something like a source from history.com yeah. and you read the story about something that happened and you're like oh wow I'm definitely well informed on that now and then you go to nationalgeographic.co.uk and you're like oh like there's a little bit different telling of the story and then you're like well maybe i'll go to like britannica.com yeah. and you go there and you're like okay here's a third but also ties in other pieces from the other two story story right so you know it just like it kind of just completes the circle of the story in yeah. a way just to just to get more and the, the ones that get me are when there's conflicting reports about something oh i love it what one says one thing one says the other and then it's like well shit well now which one do you believe right and And they're both like credible sources it's not like scary.blogspot.com right yeah exactly yeah yeah like we aren't we aren't going to columbus was actually right dot uh wordpress.ca um like we're we're, we're going to yeah yeah myspace.com we're (laughs) we're going to, to to reputable places and i i will firmly admit i've caught myself a couple of times where if i find two um two things that kind of go against each other Sometimes the, the the initial one that I'll think wins is well I already have this one written down so it's like it even on this it's I'm not gonna say difficult because I don't I've, I don't think I've ever actually just done that um, but that is the first inkling is to just say yeah I already have this one copy and pasted it. it's fine it's this is the one that is correct yeah and again it's on something that's as trivial as this so I it's interesting yeah totally but that's our our one thing mm-hmm. so, so I that's guess our, our show uh, thank you guys very much. <laughs> <laughs> I like how I said our one things. That's our two things. Mm-hmm. I didn't really think out this bit very well. Our ones thing. Wait. Our ones things that we learns. Yeah. By Google Do. <laughs> <laughs> so the episode of the show probably already gave it away, uh, but we will be talking about Guy Fox Day. Or remember, remember the 5th of November, why you might have heard that before, uh, not necessarily in relation to V for Vendetta. 
Right. But we will be talking about the history of November 5th. Mm-hmm. As it stands, as Guy Fox Day. Yes. Yeah. Not not everything that's happened on November 5th. We're not going to. And then in 1968, right. a concert at. But why why you should remember, remember the 5th of November. And V for Vendetta is one of my favorite movies of all time. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm I'm I was quite excited to to do this one. And again, this one uh, I did not I did not expect it to go the way that it went. Yeah. So th- this is uh, th- this was a fun one for me. Probably going to be a quicker one today. You already know this because you can see on your podcast whatever that um, it's like it's the amount of time that it is. But for Scroll us, we're it. just going into it now. We have no idea how long this is going to be. But... I have no idea ever. Yeah. It turns out about anything until I le- I read at least three sources. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Start us off. Get oh, into it. Right. Uh, born in the <laughs> made up year of 1570. <laughs> um, that That's straight from history.com. Yeah. Uh, in York, England. Mental floss. Guy Fawkes spent about a decade fighting for Spain against Protestant rebels in Spanish controlled Netherlands. Um, as with most things, religion was kind of a thing no. back in the 1500s. No. Yeah. Uh, Catholicism in England was repressed under Queen Elizabeth I, particularly <laughs> after the Pope excommunicated her in 1570, which, yeah, I'm probably a little upset. Yeah. Uh, during her reign, dozens of priests were put to death and Catholics could not legally celebrate mass or be married according to their religion. Many Catholics had high hopes when King James the I took the throne <laughs> the I. after I, after Elizabeth's death in 1603. I, I'll take the throne. <laughs> nice. Uh, <laughs> James's wife, Anne, is believed to have previously converted to Catholicism, and his mother, Mary, Queen of Scots, was, uh, that was her birth name, was Elizabeth's <laughs> Catholic art arch-rival prior to being executed. There were even rumors inspired by his diplomatic overtures to the Pope that James himself would become Catholic. Do you remember this King James I guy? Not personally, no. (sighs) Come on. (laughs) Uh, Also, Mary, Queen of Scots, made famous only for, of course, her portrayal uh, by Rosé on RuPaul's Drag Race. Mm But King James the first was that crazy witch hunt guy who wrote that demonology book and was really super into drowning, torturing, and burning women accused of witchcraft. Hmm. Yeah. What episode six? Mm-hmm. No. Something like that. Three? I don't know. One of our episodes. If you want to know what we're talking about, right? Tune in. Yeah, we have a very bingeable show here. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, he did uh, all that. Uh, in the 1590s, by the way, so all of his witch hunting and blubbity blue um, mm-hmm. that we've covered before. The uh, blobbity and the blue. The blobbity and the blue and the bibbity boppity. I'm going to kill you. Uh, witch hunts was, in fact, episode three. Sick. Yes. Uh, so let's rejoin the story in 1604, shall we? In, oh, in 1603, actually. <laughs> Fuck, dude. <laughs> Look, I had a beer tonight. (laughs) I had three quarters of a Bacardi breezer earlier. Uh, In 1603, a few priests and laymen hatched a so-called by plot to kidnap James, only to be turned in by fellow Catholics. They must have been witches, man. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Another related conspiracy that year, known as the main plot, sought to kill James and install his cousin on the throne. Now, finally, we get to 1604. Right. 
he publicly condemned Catholicism as a superstition. This is King James. Mm-hmm. Ordered a ca- ordered ca- all Catholic priests to leave England and expressed concern that the number of Catholics was increasing. He also largely continued with the repressive policies of his predecessor, such as fines for those refusing to attend Protestant services. So, uh, probably for many more reasons, also in 1604, a handful of Catholic dissidents, uh, Guy Fawkes, Robert Catsby, Tom Wintour, not Winter, Wintour, Wintour. Wintour, uh, Jack Wright, and Thomas Percy met and Catsby proposed a plan to blow up the Houses of Parliament with gunpowder. Afterwards... Afterwards, all five men <laughs> purportedly swore an oath of secrecy upon a prayer book. A prayer book. Mm-hmm. Eight other conspirators would later join what became known as the Gunpowder Plot, because we're fantastic at naming things. Totally. Um, but Catsby was the ringleader. Fox has garnered most of the pl- uh, publicity. He personally petitioned the King of Spain for help in starting an English rebellion against James. According to ri- uh, writings in Spanish archives, Fox believed the English king was a heretic, which is a person committing religious heresy. Um, that word like probably used to be way more common. Yes. I don't think that heresy and like heretic is really used anymore. No, I think that that's something that's kind of faded in the last little bit. Yeah, thank um, Yeah. Fox also apparently expressed uh, strong anti-Scottish prejudices, so he's staunch and also um, just a little grumpy. Yeah. By 1605, Fox was calling himself Guido rather than Guy. Hmm. He, Guido Fox. <laughs> He also used the alias John Johnson while serving as caretaker of a cellar located conveniently just below the House of Lords that the plotters had leased in order to stockpile gunpowder. Under the plan, Fox would light a fuse on November 5th, 1605, during the opening of a new session of Parliament. James, his eldest son, the House of Lords, and the House of Commons would all be blown sky high. In the meantime, as Fox escaped Uh, By boat across the River Thames, his fellow conspirators would start an uprising in the English Midlands, kidnap James's daughter, Elizabeth, install her as a puppet queen, and eventually marry her off to a Catholic, thereby restoring the Catholic monarchy. Wow. Why do plans like this not happen today? Oh, because we burned all the witches. All of this seems so... I mean, obviously it is. It's 1605. All of this seems so old-timey. Totally. Like, first, let's try to kidnap him. Ah, oh, darn. That didn't work. Well, now let's try to light things with gunpowder that we just discovered like an hour ago. We'll blow them sky high, see? And, and then we'll <laughs> marry off, uh, what is it, daughter, uh, so that we can start a Catholic uprising. We'll marry her to a, one of them good Catholic boys. Yeah. As long as she's not a witch. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Um, on October 26th, an anonymous letter advising a Catholic sympathizer to avoid... Weird the, sentence. Um, Catholic yeah. sympathizer. Anyways, go on. Uh, to avoid the state opening of Parliament alerted the authorities to the existence of a plot. <sighs> to this day... No one knows for sure who wrote the letter. Some historians have even suggested that it was fabricated and that the authorities already knew of the gunpowder plot, which was a lot more difficult to say than I was anticipating, only letting it progress as an excuse to further crack down on Catholicism. 
Either way, a search party found Fox skulking in his cellar around midnight on November the 4th with matches in his pocket and 36 barrels of gunpowder stacked next to him. Uh, his defense, look, it's not what it looks like. Yeah. At that point, you're pretty well, hmm, I'm caught. Mm-hmm. Uh, other reports say he was using his John Johnson codename and was posing as a guard to a room filled with uh, firewood and gunpowder, but he also wasn't dressed as a guard, but basically was wearing athletic wear to get away fast. Either way, uh, he was taken to the Tower of London and tortured upon the special order of King James. Soon after, his co-conspirators were also arrested, except for four of them, including Catsby, who died in a shootout with English troops. So, didn't go well for the eight of them. No. Fox and his surviving co-conspirators were all found guilty of high treason and sentenced to death in January 1606 by hanging, drawing, and quartering. I want to just say, so it happened in early November 1605, and now by January 1606, they have their punishment. That's a fast judicial system. Yes, it is. You know what? Say what you want about King James. Right. He is efficient at killing people. Um, Not a lot to to really dispute on this one. They found a guy with matches and gunpowder. I Look, there's like a dozen cases currently going on that we that I could say. Right. Yeah, fair. Yeah. Well, yeah. how come it took a year to know this then? Yeah. No, that's fair. Yeah. Okay. But here's a quick pause break to tell you about hanging, drawing, and quartering. Okay. And then let's laugh about some horses because it involves horses, of course. Oh, sweet. It's old timey. Of course it involves. Yes. Of course it involves horses. Oh, Lord. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, drawing and quartering is part of the grisly penalty anciently ordained in England in 1283 for the crime of treason. So this was something that they did like a lot for treason. Uh, so it took several steps. First, the, uh, perpetrator was drawn. So tied to a horse and dragged to the gallows. Um, and then, hold on, sorry. There's a lot of filler in this article. Mm. Uh, so then... Once they got to the gallows, they would be hanged. Not until death, though. Uh, They usually would still be alive after they were hung to be disemboweled. They would have their entrails burned. They would be beheaded. And then they would be quartered. So the last step, quartering, if we want to guess what that means, uh, they would tie each limb to a horse and send them off in different directions. Jeez. So they would quarter a person. Oh. So that is what they were sentenced to. And it was like... Literally, that was like, you know what? For treason, that's going to be our punishment. Like, it wasn't just like, you know, I guess it was special as in it was reserved for treason. But it wasn't like so rare. You know? Yeah. So anyways. Wow. That's what, uh, that's what uh, Fox was sentenced to. Like, the the, kind of the method of getting a kid's tooth out. Hey, let's just attach to something that's moving quickly the (laughs) other way. That's how they killed people. Yeah, definitely. Damn. Yeah. Well, and it sounds like, too, it sounds like the person is probably already dead. They're just doing that to the body. Right. To this be like, is, fuck you also in the afterlife. I'm I'm, I'm certain that this is not a practice that is still done today. Uh, <laughs> yeah. There's not. No, there's too many horses for it. Right. Um. Weird thing. Okay. I wonder what that looks like. Oh, babe. Well, I'm just saying. Like, Don't it's say not... that in the podcast. Just Google it later. Eat you. No. That's worse. <laughs> yeah, it's just like I can't imagine what that looks like. It's weird. After the plot was revealed, 
Londoners began lighting celebratory bonfires, and in January 1606, an act of parliament designated November 5th as a day of Thanksgiving. Guy Fawkes Day festivities soon spread as far as the American colonies, which I left in here because I just liked the way that sounded. Mm. Spread to the American colon. Oh, you're just another one of the colonies that we have. Because mm-hmm. we have lots. We're England. <laughs> Where they became known as Pope Day, in keeping with anti-Catholic sentiment of the time, British subjects on both sides of the Atlantic would burn an effigy of the Pope. Yeah. Uh, The tradition completely died out in the United States by the 19th century slash the 1800s, whereas in Britain, Guy Fawkes Day became a time to get together with friends and family, set off fireworks, light bonfires, attend parades, and burn effigies of Fox. Uh... As in Guy Fox, not Foxes. Mm-hmm. Just in case I didn't say that clear enough. Right. Children traditionally wheeled around their effigies, demanding a penny for the guy. So it's kind of similar to like Halloween and trick or treating, and asking to remember, remember the fifth of November. Ooh. Um. Can I just say, what a gigantic f you to a guy who is trying to <laughs> like blow everything up. Not only. Do you celebrate him not blowing shit up yeah. by blowing shit up every day yeah. or every year? You also name it after him. Like, could you imagine? Like, I, I can't even think of what 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 else like that. What, There's what, what no like other that. thing on that level. Yeah, like it's just a, a gigantic. Hey, screw you. It'd be like if they called like the the tax the rich bill in the states the Donald Trump bill. Like that's it, it's so so petty and I love it so much. He would roll over in his grave if he had one. Right. I yes, assume exactly. he doesn't. Yes. Yeah, all four, four. quarters of him would do a four quick roll. Four slightly smaller graves, please. Jeez. Uh Fox himself meanwhile has gone somewhat of a makeover. Uh again, Theoretically, not literally. Well, um, no, he did well, undergo yes. a makeover. Yeah. Uh, once known as a notorious traitor, he is now portrayed in some circles as a revolutionary hero. This could be due to the influence of the 1980s graphic novel V for Vendetta and the 2005 movie of the same name, which, of course, came along with the Guy Fox mask. Although he didn't predict the mask's role in popular protest, David Lloyd, the artist who illustrated the comic, told the New York Times it's a great symbol of protest for anyone who sees tyranny. Tyranny? Sure. I think that's a tomato tomato one. But Really? I think so. Tyranny tyranny? Yeah. Well. Because they're tyrants. No, they're tyrants. No. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. Anyway, you can go. (laughs) And although the masks are often used in anti-establishment demonstrations, one of the largest media corporations in the country gains the most from the mask's rising popularity. Time Warner owns the rights to the image, and at over 100,000 masks made each year, it is by far the company's best-selling mask. Okay, hear me out here. Yeah. What about... I think you know where this is going. It's a mask. They're selling masks Mm -hmm. in this time. Yeah. They should put like a a mask mask in the mask. They've already done that, right? I'm sure you could like. They've already done that, like the right? the COVID like surgical mask type. Yeah, thing yeah, wear. yeah. I'm, like a don't sneeze on me mask. I, I would I would assume 100 percent you can get a Guy Fox, um, mask like that. A Guy Fox mask mask. Right. 
I think so. If they, uh, can I copyright that? No. Get out of here, Time Warner. No, you for sure can't. Get um, out of here. It's my idea. There, when you type that in, there are 745 results on uh, on Amazon for a Guy Fox mask. Mask. Yeah, there's one here for a dollar. <gasps> no, it'll go to the man. Right. The hacktivist collective Anonymous made the masks even Ooh, more popular. Light up. <laughs> made the masks even more popular in 2008 when it launched Project Chinology. Yes, Chinology, a movement targeting the Church of Scientology after the church tried to censor an interview with Tom Cruise on the web. Uh, members of the collective agreed to come out from behind their computer screens to protest the Church of Scientology, but needed a way to conceal their identities. The Guy Fox mask was, cho- was their chosen disguise. Although the collective has never officially stated the reasoning behind the choice, it's likely an homage to the eerie scene in V for Vendetta. Uh, the project grew in to a national movement with demonstrations in Florida, Michigan, Boston, and Los Angeles. Since then, the masks have become a go-to symbol of the collective and anti-establishment movements worldwide. The Occupy Wall Street movement uh, adapted the mask in 2011. On Guy Fawkes Day that year, a Facebook invitation urged all Occupy protesters of the world to come together on November 5th to rally again for our efforts to end corruption and social injustice. Mm. The mask was seen at the Arab Springs movement of 2011, and the Guy Fawkes mask has become so incendiary that several Middle Eastern countries are prohibiting its import and sale. The Saudi Ministry of Interior did just that on May 30th, claiming the mask instills a culture of violence and extremism. The measure was expanded days later to include the destruction of all masks, include or distribution, sorry, of all masks current... Oh, no. No, you're right. Yeah, destruction of all masks currently in Saudi stores. In 2015, another anti-government movement embraced the Guy Fawkes masks. In in Thailand, protesters wore them in demonstrations against the so-called puppet administration controlled by an exiled ex-prime minister. This isn't the first time that the masks serviced in Thailand. In 2011, a small band of protesters in Bangkok donned them the same day the anonymous Thailand Facebook page launched. So a few examples of where the the, the Guy Fawkes mask has been used. Mm-hmm. Um and it's weird because it's like, it's kind of nothing like, I mean, it's it's somewhat like Guy Fox was trying to, like, blow up the government. Yeah, and he was so like. And so people who are trying to fight against the government, you can, you can see the parallel, but I, I don't, I was surprised at the history behind it where it was like, Guy Fox is kind of like, am I the drama? <laughs> I think I'm the drama. Am I the villain? I'm not the drama. I might be the drama. Because like, I- I'm sure, as we talked about, uh, King James, not he. Oh, he's the drama. Yeah, he he's the drama. Um, but I mean, the dude did try to like kill a lot of people. Yeah, but his mama the drama. <laughs> um. So yeah, it, I just I found that interesting that it was. I, I just, I didn't realize that was the whole story behind it. Totally, yeah. I I completely agree. And, you know, I think that the Guy Fox mask, obviously depicted in the 1980 graphic novel, mm-hmm. um, I don't think the mask is like what Guy Fox looked like beyond being a white dude, maybe with a mustache. Um, but that it was so, you know, that he's been tied to these kind of like anti-government movements, I can understand. But then if you, you know, look back at the story and you're like, oh, well, he was doing it so that they could practice Catholicism. Um, and then they were going to like, you know, 
they were going to overtake the government and then put someone in place so that they could have Catholicism again. And it's like, do we know what they would do to Protestants after? Like, it would have been the inverse. You know what I mean? Like, they weren't planning on just, like, making it even for everybody, I don't think. Right. Yeah, it was... um... It, it, I don't think a lot of people would assume he was fighting for the plucky underdog that is the Catholic Church. Yeah, exactly. I'm um, also looking at pictures of Guy Fox. Um, the the mask is pretty bang on. If you oh will dang, yeah. Yeah. Could use a little less blush, but yeah. Oh, sorry. Oh, you clicked away. Come I on. still have masks. Up. I kind of want to get that light off one. But no, look at it. It turns I green. I know. I saw. Did you? No. <laughs> Hurtful. Thank you uh, for downloading this episode, for uh, coming back, tuning in, rating, reviewing, subscribing, emailing, following us on, following us on Instagram, all the good stuff. Mm-hmm. We really appreciate it. Uh, you can send us an email if you haven't already. We had no idea podcast at gmail.com. You can also hit us up on Instagram at we had no idea podcast i have nothing to add to that (laughs) Uh, well i've covered it so we'll talk to you later yeah thank you guys so much for for downloading this was uh, a fun one and like i said like v for vendetta is one of my favorite movies and so to kind of go back into the history of it uh, a little bit more and if nothing else good comes from this then uh, according to amazon prime i can be getting a light up guy fox mask in the next three days so that's a really nice thing i literally can't wait bye Bye. Oh, it's me. Right.